Hey everybody, it's Chris. If you're a sports fan like me, or you're just a fan of a great story, you gotta check out Press Box Access, a sports history podcast hosted by Todd Jones. Todd sits down with fellow sports writers who experienced firsthand some of the biggest sports moments of the past 50 years, and they share some of the stories behind the stories, some of which they've only told to each other. What I personally love are the wild stories that you might not hear so much about on SportsCenter over the years. Like when Indiana-based sports journalist Bob Kravitz recounts the time Bobby Knight showed up naked to an office meeting with him and then banned him from the Hoosiers' locker room for the next three years because Bob wrote a story he didn't like. Or when Alexander Wolfe tells a story about going out on the town in Chicago with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in the middle of a Bulls playoff series. Or when Dan Wetzel talks about what it was like to be in the media room when Temple basketball coach John Chaney stormed into UMass coach John Calipari's press conference after a game and threatened to kill him. These wild and fun stories, paired with stories about real sports greatness, you know, like the 1970s Steelers being the greatest NFL dynasty ever, or the legendary rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and even the impact of protests for social justice issues in sports, make Pressbox Access a show you should check out. Pressbox Access is part of the Evergreen Podcast family, and it's available all the places you get your pods, and you can also find Pressbox Access on YouTube. Go check it out. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Despite the song's lyrics that illustrate Meredith Brooks' multitude of qualities and flaws, it's the first line of the chorus of Bitch that turned heads in 1997. After a long music career that spanned three decades, this undeniably catchy pop song put the veteran singer and guitarist on the map. The song felt empowering and special when it came out, but how does it hold up now? And did Meredith turn out to be an artist we should actually be paying attention to? Just when we think we got her figured out, the season's already changing on today's episode. I can understand how you'd be so confused. I don't envy you. I'm a little bit of everything. I'll roll into one. One hit is all you need to make the money guaranteed. And you can live off royalties forever. Matt, sometimes I see in an instant how someone got to where they are. And what I mean by that is we're going to get into it with Meredith Brooks today. She is well known for her song, Bitch, which... For being a song with a, I guess, cuss word. Bitch is a cuss word. Sure. Um, <laughs> for having this song, which at the time seemed like a little bit of a big deal. It's a pretty like, I don't know, run of the mill song or it's not. It's a, it's a, for being a song with what may be an offensive title, it's a pretty inoffensive song. It's basically a song saying, 
I have all kinds of things about my personality because I'm I'm a human being. Yeah, is is what it is to it. But people really latch onto that I'm a bitch line because hey, I'm not just talking about women. We're all a bitch sometimes, right? I mean, that's that's true. That's not even that outlandish of a thought. I mean, maybe some of us are a bitch a little less than others, <laughs> I guess. But at some point, I'm sure we all bitch about something or we are a bitch about something. Yeah. Uh, so it's not that crazy of a concept for a song. But in Meredith Brooks' case, uh, it was her only hit. It was her only hit. Try as she might with many other singles. Mm-hmm. This was the only one. And it was, I mean, this is like, Sometimes we talk about a song where it's like, I mean, how much of a hit was it? It was it was a number two hit. Wow. Peaked at number two on the Billboard charts, and it sat there for four weeks, unable to get past I'll Be Missing You. Dang. Uh, by, by Puff Daddy. Uh, it, it did so, just to give us a, a slight view of the times. Uh, it did this on July 12th, 1997. Also hanging out on the charts at that time, Umbop was sitting at number three. Return of the Mac was at number four. Mm. Sunny Came Home was at number eight. Like all songs that we've covered. <laughs> all one hit wonders. All one hit wonders. And then in the non one hit wonders, Spice Girls had Say You'll Be There at seven and Backstreet Boys had Quit Playing Games with My Heart. Okay. So it was, but it was a very, I mean, that's a very, with the exception of Return of the Mac, I would say it's a very poppy yeah. list of songs. And this is not, I mean, there's pop elements to it it's got the catchiness of pop but this is way more rocking guitar it, than the usual song to her credit it has she's a guitarist and she and, plays a pretty sweet solo in this song yeah it's just it's rock but not very rocking it, no. it's very adult <laughs> contemporary is what i would call for it. sure but i would say that this rocks more than say a song i love but lullaby by sean mullins okay right you know i mean like yeah. like even though it has a lot of the same elements it's still got a backup band it has a guitar solo in it i feel like this song feels more like it could make its way onto the alternative radio station than sean mullins perhaps right uh because it's got a little bit of that edge and you you have some connection to the co-writer of this song indirectly through through your other podcast so the co-writer of this song which i kind of got the the idea that more than the co-writer, maybe the writer of yeah. this song. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the percentages are there, but I think the person who came up with the concept for this song and really like took the reins on this one is Shelly Pikin, who I have edited a podcast before where she was the guest. And also she co-wrote with Krista Makes before for Less Than Jake. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Shelly Pikin, very famous, like, pop songwriter and she wrote what a girl wants and come on over for christina aguilera which were two big hits and then just in addition to i don't think she had hits with any of these artists but wrote songs for britney spears the pretenders reba mcintyre Aaliyah, celine dion Cher, and countless other people Mm -hmm. but yeah as you said she kind of the the concept of the song came from her originally she was she was frustrated that her career wasn't really going the way that she wanted to and Shelley's 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 career as a songwriter and she wrote the lyric I hate the world today and then she started building off of that and concept it says here she conceptualized the title bitch and she reached out to Brooks to collaborate on the song commenting that Meredith had a lot of spunk and she knew and I knew that she could relate to the idea Uh, Brooks claimed that she was initially additionally aspired to write the song 
after reading the writings of Carl Jung. Mm. Uh, the song was written in a single day, and she described the song as being about self-acceptance and changed the word into a term of endearment. Uh, she further explained the meaning of the song, I'm not an angry young girl, or whatever the phrase of the moment is, I'm a human. It's not to excuse ranting and raving, but I don't think that there's anything wrong when you're in a mood. I don't think we all need to keep wearing a mask at all times. Sure. And, you know, take away that line where the music stops and it's, I'm a bitch. Yeah. Like, take that away. And is this song a hit? No. No. It absolutely is not. Like, that is the line that everybody that likes this song clung to, even though it's followed up with all kind of other things. I'm a whatever. I'm a sister. I'm a lover. I'm a what all these other things that yeah. she also is. And there are, let's not take away credit. There are some nice little hooks in there i think that like the i do not feel ashamed mm-hmm. is like we always talk about like parts that are fun to sing along with right and like obviously the like yelling i'm a bitch part's fun i think yelling the do not feel ashamed and honestly the last line of the chorus the you know i wouldn't want it any other way like yeah. there are little parts but you are absolutely right you take out the i'm a bitch part you got nothing Right. I mean, it's the, it's the name <laughs> the of the so- song. I'm not. The song's just a the song's just a B side on a on a record that doesn't sell. It's fluff. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely fluff, and I, I I think it could be argued the song is fluff in general because it's not really saying that much, you know. But that's all, you know. Eye of the beholder, ear of the beholder, I should say. Uh, Matt, did you like? Did you slash do you like this song? Did you like it at the time? It seems like you would. In 1997, I definitely liked the song, bitch. <laughs> Uh, but not enough to go out and buy the album. Okay. Um, I think I remember because I we've talked about this before. I was very uh, at in the in the late nineties while you were uh, turning the radio off as mm-hmm. uh, Real Big Fish had recommended it to you. <laughs> I was I was fully tuned into the radio, uh, which is why you know. When you bring up a song from the late 80s, early 90s, I'm like, I don't know, never heard that song. But when we're talking about a one-hit wonder from like 1997, 1998, I'm like, you don't remember these seven other songs that they released that didn't chart? And I remember the follow-up single, I Need, Mm. and being like, I think I'm content with just the song, Bitch. Like, Mm -hmm. that song didn't hook me in. Um, And then there was a third single that somewhat charted called what what would happen which i have no recollection of this song at all but i remember i need because it's it's a catchy chorus but it's a kind of a dumb song it's her kind of doing like the the white person rapping thing that you knew from the 90s where she's rapping about all the things that she needs in her in her life um this song worked for me though i don't know what it is i because i look at the lyrics and i'm like like I'm thinking, okay, I hate the world today. You're so good to me. I know, but I can't change. Tried to tell you, but you look at me like maybe I'm an angel underneath, innocent and sweet. Sure. You know, <laughs> yesterday I cried. You must be relieved to see the softer side. I can understand how you'd be so confused. I don't envy you. This part was always catchy. I'm a little bit of everything all rolled into one. Okay. I'm a bit. <laughs> y- you know... This song, 1997, right? 97, yeah. I'm pretty sure 97. Yep, 97. At this point, you had some real, uh, like, badass rock star women out there. All of Riot Girl has already happened. Yes. Like, and Alanis Morissette, who we know 
she was not happy in being compared to. No. Um, but I, geez, being compared to Alanis Morissette sounds like a compliment to me. Yeah. I think Alanis is badass. Like, you know, she, she was a rock, rockin' and, but her, her music and her lyrics really came from the heart. Like you could tell it was really personal. That's what I was going to say. I think that bitch feels like it's coming from a personal place, but it's trying to be written in a, in a wide net relatable kind of way. Whereas Alanis Morissette stuff is hyper personal mm-hmm. and you relate to it because you can tell that it's coming from a real place and that maybe you've lived a similar experience to the one that Alanis is writing about, but it doesn't feel like she's trying to throw out a giant net. She's just writing a song that's important to her. Yeah. And I would also say that a song like this where, you know, it's, you can tap your toe to it. It's got some catchy melodies or whatever, but it feel if I were a fellow musician at that time, especially a, a woman rocker, at this time. I mean, I can't speak for women rockers, but here I am doing it. I, I'm just trying to put myself in that perspective. And you were out there and you were putting your feelings and emotions out there, but you were badass. And then you hear this song on the radio. You'd be like, this is fluff. This is, this would be the, the, you know, how I feel about like, if I hear like a, some cheesy pop punk it sounds like it's manufactured band on the radio and you're like oh god why do people like this this is like lowest common denominator i'm not gonna say the bitch is lowest common denominator it's definitely not it definitely has really um skillful songwriting and i i credit shelly pikin for that it has things that things about it that are seasoned skillful songwriter type things i think it lacks real emotion i actually think so i'm looking at the lyrics i think that the bridge and the new chorus that closes out the song are way better (laughs) than the verses in the normal chorus so the bridge the lyrics are just when you think you figured you've got me figured out the season's already changing i think it's cool that you do what you do and you don't try to save me Mm mm-hmm which I'm like, I like that. Like that, I actually think is a very real sentiment for 1997 mm-hmm. of like, that's already calling out a, a situation that we talk about today, like white knight syndrome. Mm-hmm. Like, just let me be. I don't need I don't need you to fucking roll in and try to save me. Let sure. me feel my feelings. And then they change the chorus at the end of the song. And it's, I'm a bitch. I'm a tease. I'm a goddess on my knees. When you hurt and when you suffer, I'm the angel undercover. I've been numbed, but I've revived. I can't say I'm not alive and you know I wouldn't want it any other way. And I actually think that those lyrics are better lyrics mm-hmm. than the like, I'm a bitch, I'm a lover, I'm a child, I'm a mother. It's, like, It's cool that the song goes somewhere. It's not yeah. just a, a repetitive thing. It's like, okay, that's kind of the payoff. And once again, skillful songwriting. Yeah. You know, like- uh, I mean, VH1 pro- said it was the 79th greatest song of the 90s. Wow, 79. Okay. They also said Sir Mix-a-Lot was the sixth greatest song of the 90s. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> take that as you will. Uh, yeah, but uh, I, it would be ridiculous to sit here and argue like that this isn't a good a good song. No, I mean, like you don't get to number two and be like a dog shit song. It's, it's a, but I would also argue it's a perfectly fine song. Like, this is a song. Yeah. It's definitely a song. And I, I I also think that it's a song that only has, if it has any edge to begin with, I want to say that it has edge because of the producer. 
Because the mm-hmm. producer on this song has like legitimate punk rock cred. He produced songs for the Dead Kennedys, the Germs, and Black Flag. Mm-hmm. And I think Meredith Brooks was one of his first like dipping his toe into mainstream music. Uh, I don't know what came from him after that, but I think that anything that feels more edgy than typical contemporary rock is because you have someone you think that's this, coming from that world. Do you think this feels more... I, nothing about this, the production of the song, makes me feel like... I mean, I guess maybe I have to... I would have to uh, put myself back in 1997 and hear what else was out there. Right now, it just sounds like... It, it, it doesn't sound like different than... A lot of other stuff. Maybe it did at the time. Maybe it I, rocked a little harder. I have I was like, I need to laugh at this sentence. Uh so the producer's name, I'm gonna struggle with this, is uh Geza Gord uh Geza X is what he G- goes. Yeah, or Giza X. Giza yeah, I've X. seen his name, yeah. So it says in the nineties, X opened a recording studio called City Lab with Josie Cotton and recorded acts like Butt Trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> butt Trumpet, nice. <laughs> Uh, but he achieved his greatest mainstream success in 1997 with Meredith Brooks' Bitch, which he produced at the City Lab, spent 30 weeks in the Billboard Hot 100. And then him and I guess him and Josie Cotton worked together a lot because then they built, designed, owned, and operated Satellite Park recording in Malibu, California, uh, and is the basement on the hill that Elliot Smith named from the basement on the hill after because okay. he did up most of his recordings there. Oh, cool. Yeah, which is kind of chill. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy and getting to eat restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Plus, considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com slash one hit 50 and use the code one hit 50 to get 50% off. That's code one hit 50. The words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. Gentlemen, we all know first impressions matter. And if you're not taking care of your skin, that's going to be the first thing someone notices and instantly either thinks you're way older than you are or just don't care about your appearance. Show them you do and make a great first impression with Caldera Lab. 
Personally, I really try to take care of my skin. I'm crazy about moisturizing and I'm always careful about the sun. And you know, I'm a middle-aged guy. I got to take care of the skin that I have. And honestly, we all do. You're obviously going to brush your teeth every morning and night. So incorporating a little bit of skincare into that routine will really pay off, which is why I love Caldera Lab. Caldera Lab creates high-performance men's skincare products, and the regimen leads off their product lineup, a twice-a-day routine to transform your skin. The skincare world seems to be heavily female-driven, and it's really been the Wild West for men for years That's why they've made the solution simple. It's three products. The Clean Slate, which is a face wash to start and end your day. The Base Layer, which is a daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin. And The Good, which is a go-to multifunctional serum that helps your skin look tighter and smoother. They also have the Icon Eye Serum, which addresses the three most common skin concerns around the eye. Fine lines, dark circles, and puffiness. I've been using these products lately and I gotta say that I feel super good about my skin and feeling super good about my skin just makes me feel more confident in general. One minute in the morning and at night is all it takes to reduce your wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. Clinical trials have found that 94% of men's skin showed an overall younger looking appearance after using Caldera Lab for a few weeks. So maybe now's the time to give it a try. We have an exclusive offer for One Hit Thunder listeners. This is the best offer available anywhere. Use the code OneHitThunder at CalderaLab.com and get 20% off right now. Get 20% off with the code OneHitThunder at CalderaLab.com and make unforgettable first impressions that lead to the charming words, you look younger. That's 20% off at CalderaLab.com with the code OneHitThunder. You'll be glad you did. As far as <laughs> this... This song has definitely also stood the test of time. Like yeah. it's still a song that I don't know. I I feel like I hear it. I feel like there's nobody I know that doesn't know this song. Right? No, no, you have to you have to know that when this song blew up, she she became part of Lil Affair. Okay, she played some Lil Affair, but she also played two shows in Europe with the Rolling Stones. Wow. Where she was booed off the stage both nights. Wow. Okay. So, you know, 1997 Europe was not ready for someone to come up there and talk about how they were a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the situation. Why she got booed off the stage? Maybe they knew something. (laughs) Maybe they knew something that we didn't know until later. But yeah. You know, in this song, and I want to, I actually want to talk about that pretty soon here. Um, This song went to number two. It didn't go to number one. Didn't go to number one. And also she never really had another hit again no she had a lot of uh a lot of rough uh situations with you know not first of all not having songs that were hits uh Mm -hmm. and then getting signed to labels pretty much immediately before said labels were folding um but she did uh she did produce jennifer love hewitt's album Mm. she wrote a song that became the theme song for dr phil which is good or bad who knows about that um she's the only uh, she is a member of the Canadian charity Artists Against Racism, which okay. is an interesting thing <laughs> because yeah, because we then found out that she is uh, a big fan of Donald Trump mm-hmm. and not a fan of vaccines, mm-hmm. um, which was an interesting strike. And then also equally confusing to me is that last year she released an EP 
called Celebrating Pride. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So maybe she is a multi-layered person yeah. like the sauce. Um, yeah, it's it's very confusing because I was what I was going to imply or say, I guess, is that she hit number two, never hit number one, didn't have another hit. And I could see that. And also being compared, she she was really compared to Alanis Morissette a lot. And Alanis Morissette is this, you know, the biggest one of the biggest artists of the nineties. I could see that under certain circumstances being like the 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 villain's backstory yeah (laughs) you know what i mean like it's just years and years of like resentment and in my opinion it seems like a lot of people that if you like donald trump the world's biggest villain yeah (laughs) that at some point you went down a path that led you to villainry right i mean or or whatever that that you you have gotten resentful enough to the point where you're like screw everybody i you know i am i'm gonna support this you know this this is this speaks to me so but it sounds like very confusing like so this is even more confusing sorry i needed to dive in to what celebrating pride was okay by the by the way pride can mean a lot of, pride can oh. mean white pro- oh okay <laughs> so she's got a big ass rainbow across the album cover okay but here's the thing she says my new EP celebrating pride is out now. If you look at the track list and this is almost hysterical, it's just a greatest hits EP. It's it's six old songs. So it's it's bitch, it's her cover of lay down candles in the rain, it's the song shout, it's the song all i need like it, she just i guess re-recorded her hits, put it out on an EP in June of 2022. It almost feels like I'll cash in on the pride thing that's happening. Dude, it sounds like it sounds like the most blatant example of rainbow capitalism I've (laughs) I've ever seen. It's someone who literally supports Trump saying like, "Ah, I'm going to sell it. You know, bitch, I'll celebrate pride, whatever. I'm sure some gay people like the song bitch and they don't know anything else about me. Yeah. I mean, that's man. Why? I hate I hate when there's someone who just has this unexpected heel turn yeah, <laughs> in it, life it's always a bummer you don't want to see it it doesn't help me want to say anything nice about Meredith Brooks <laughs> I mean even though I do feel like I'm I'm look here's some things I do think are cool about her is that she came from the, the world of rock she played it before that she played in a band with a member of the go-go's the graces was the, the graces yeah. she's a good guitarist she's you know I I gotta like anybody that I mean, that, to is, rock, you that know? is one edge that she has over Alanis is I don't think Alanis played any instruments on her record. So it's like she's writing the songs and playing the guitar. Not to say that is. Let me let me clarify <laughs> before anyone takes that out of context. I am not saying Meredith Brooks is better than Alanis Morissette. I'm just saying uh, Meredith Brooks is a musician, cut her teeth for 10 years being a musician. Like you said, playing guitar for a side project of one of the Go-Go's. Um, it looks like by all accounts, like she got signed at 37 in the nineties, oh. which is, that's cool. Yeah. Like that's, I that, think that's great. I also feel like let's, let's do some quick math. 37 in 1997 makes a lot more sense of being the age to be a Trump. Oh uh, yeah. True. Yeah. I, I, 2023. I guess, I guess she's you know. getting that 50, 60 year old spot, which yeah. seems like the, the prime. Yeah. She's 64 right now. That seems like a prime 
uh, changed changed political alliance age. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, I, I hate to focus on that. But that's just such a glaring thing. It sucks it's so much. It's 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 such a glaring thing. I mean, hey, if someone someone doesn't have to have the same views as me. It's just you can't support that guy. Yeah. That, that's that's kind of like that, that's kind of like the the straw that breaks this camel's back here. Where I'm like, I can't even fathom that. You know, apolitical, some other candidate, whatever. I can I can get past it. You know, I, no, not everyone's going to agree. It'd be a boring world if we all agree. No, agree. But uh, but I think we can all agree on basic human things, and I yeah. and, and all agree that Trump does not represent basic human things. He's a freaking the the troll of the highest order uh but i don't know you know how she got i I think the thing about the fact that she was in her 30s and had a hit in a world where you know most people are gonna have hits or teenagers early 20s i mean sadly especially if you are a female musician i'm not saying that i agree with that i'm just saying that that's the way it is a lot of times which is a shame but um I think that's a really cool thing for her. And maybe that's another part of her, <laughs> the, the heel turn of her or whatever is maybe she got some flack for that. I don't know, man. It nothing makes sense to me about what well, it seems to me that with this song in your back pocket, this song that probably paid her bills for the rest of her life. And the amount of, people from the 90s and people that could enjoy this and sing this at the top of their lungs why you would think that <laughs> I, I guess she's not saying that stuff because she thinks it's going to help anything no i think there it, are some people that just realize oh my music's so terrible that the only people that listen to it are people like Trump. kid rock perfect example who's gonna li- nobody listens to him anyway so he's like i'm just gonna go this way because these these dummies seem to like me i'm from i'm from michigan and i have a giant confederate flag behind me yeah. i'm just gonna go that way you know <laughs> it does, doesn't make sense but uh anyway uh i didn't think that i i hate to focus on just that but it's hard to get past it's a it's a big old strike it's <laughs> it's definitely a big old strike and i also think that i mean Look, we're going to get there soon enough, but like we're going to hit the thunder blunder portion of it and political stuff aside, there's just not any other good tunes. No, that's another thing. The <laughs> like, the, the song the song itself, sometimes we make the exception of the song is so good that even though I didn't necessarily like any the other songs and even though they didn't have another hit Man, the song is so good that I just have to go thunder. That's not the case this time. This song was I never I don't think I I don't hate the song, but I also don't like the song. I'm just like, "Oh, it's fine." I I'm I can't have a strong opinion against it. It's it's a catchy tune. It's a well-constructed pop song. Yeah. And so I can't but it's not good enough to the point where I can go, "Well, that makes up for the fact that I don't like any of her other songs that I listen to." Um, and the Trump thing just, (laughs) it does not help. It does. That's in, I shouldn't, even if you take that out of it, I'm going purely on music. I think I was going blunder on this regardless. I probably would have been the same. Um, I, I would have, even before I knew that I would have said, you know, I liked bitch. It's not like a top contender song of all time or anything. (laughs) And also there's something, I mean, there's something to be said about like uh, the, the word, the word bitch and a lot of like 
bitch boss, queen bitch, like all that stuff has like now started to, in retrospect, it's like, oh, is this also a lot of appropriation from the gay community? Like it, if we give credit to Meredith Brooks for that, but I actually think that more of the like calling your friends a bitch thing stems way more from appropriating that. Maybe from, not from calling your friends a bitch, but calling your friends bitch. Bitches, yeah. But yeah. I think there's a big difference that between a bitch and bitch. Fair. But you know what I mean? Like, it's like, maybe we're giving, like, I, I feel like at a point, everyone was giving Meredith Brooks credit for, and she even <laughs> said, like, we we're trying to, like, reclaim yeah. the term. But, like, I feel like, yeah, the term was kind of already reclaimed well, in the I, in the gay community for like a decade prior really i i actually don't know that i'm the, pretty sure if you watch like uh was that paris is burning like the documentary about like the drag queens of the 80s they're calling each other bitch lovingly mm, back then gotcha so i i'm just just putting a little little pin in that like maybe maybe maybe, maybe that's maybe she can't even get too much credit for that really Right, <laughs> but yeah, song's fine. But I'm gonna go blunder on this one. Uh, s- sorry, Meredith. I mean, I hope and that I'm not really that much. I'm not really that sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you can do. De- you can deal with it. Apparently, yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna go blunder. been one hit thunder one hit thunder is hosted by chris fafalios of the band punchline and produced by matt kelly of geekscape.net underneath me you're hearing keystone off the punchline album delightfully pleased be sure to check out punchlion.com for any upcoming shows news or releases from the band our podcast is on patreon now find us at patreon.com backslash oht podcast for early access to episodes bonus conversations and a chance to vote on future songs for us to cover Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on any podcasting app. And tune in next week for more One Hit Thunder. We have a California and a Jersey Shore. Is Bethlehem the place where Jesus was born? Oh man, in nature on each other's necks. Birds in the east and still in the west. The lion on the mountain and the panther's pit. But it's friendly competition and that's just it. You're at home, you can tell when you see the bridges and bells. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. 
Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.